Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the program. I am your host, Kyle Lira, and welcome to To The Table. Joining me today have Peter Martinez. How are you today, Peter? I'm alive. That's great. Now on uh, today's To The Table, uh, Peter gave me Death Becomes Her, or I think that's the title, Death Becomes Her. Uh, Yes, it is. And I gave Peter uh, the Ben Wheatley film uh, Free Fire. And uh, today, onto the table, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> Yay. Okay, so as creator of this lovely podcast, I am in a, a turn the table, so to speak to peter martinez with uh with us today uh i am gonna go in have him review uh free fire first and then i'm gonna get into uh uh death becomes her uh last so free fire peter uh i gave you free fire because i thought it was a very interesting film it pretty much took place in one place and that's the entire movie um a, a lot of great character actors a lot of uh, a lot of uh, funny interactions uh and it definitely uh worked with uh the means of a confines of a abandoned warehouse so i thought i thought it was interesting and i wanted to get your hot take on it that, but isn't that how all the episodes of To the Table go? Every single one. Okay, so I gave you my reasoning, Peter. What did you think of Free Fire? Free Fire, Free Fire, Free Fire. Um, I was entertained by it, but. Uh, there's one giant issue that I think clouds over the film, but for the most part, I think it was entertaining film and it was an interesting experiment because, you know, the pitch for the film was, can we just do an entire film of just a shootout? (laughs) That, that was obviously the pitch. And I think they accomplished that. But I, at the same time, I may not care so much about what the main goal was. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Dunkirk. I think okay. Dunkirk absolutely succeeded at what it was trying to be. But I also kind of didn't care about what it was trying to be. I'll say I was more entertained with Free Fire than Dunkirk. Because Dunkirk had... um I had more <laughs> No, I mean cuz Free Fire had interesting characters. So that was at least something to latch on to. The biggest issue is by the time I got to the end, it just felt like a whole load of like what was the point, you know? Okay. Um because even though the characters are pretty fleshed out given the premise of the film um 
there's no like overarching not necessarily story but like arc for which the characters go through it's just they were in a shootout and then at the end it's the shootout ended you know again i i would have liked a little bit more i doesn't have even have to be character growth but like through line that by the end of the film i'm like oh okay like satisfied i get it like the the film that i think did it the best this kind of like the entire film is just this one action scene is um fury road mad max fury road okay where it's because like just one long extended it's just one line sequence. car chase because there's a very clear even though there's very minimal characters it's mostly action there's enough to grasp onto and clear arcs for said characters where by the end it's like i got just enough story and character growth and a shit ton of everything else that was just so awesome that i that i leave satisfied you know and i think with films like dunkirk and free fire there just wasn't enough of that first part i just need a little bit more character and through line so at the end it's like okay so you give a shit about what happened yes. at the end mm-hmm the giving a shit part, I think, for these kind of films is the hardest part. <laughs> you know, for for the mm-hmm. to to have a audience member give a shit throughout the entire film, which they're basically taking what's supposed to be one sequence in a film and stretching it out to the entire film, making them care throughout all of that is difficult. It is difficult, and I think. The one that I cared the least with was Dunkirk. I cared, I did care a little bit more with Free Fire, and there was some, a lot of fun uh, character moments and great shootout stuff. Um, but I did feel just a tad bit empty by the time it ended, and I'm like, "Well, I'm glad I saw it. It's definitely entertaining, and it, you can definitely tell it was a risk. Someone went out there and they tried to do something different." Um, but it just felt a tad bit hollow to me because of the reasons I put out there. Uh, a couple of things about uh, about Free Fire. Number one, it took three weeks to film the movie. Oh, I believe that. There's not much to it. <laughs> uh, which, like, usually, like, movies and all that. I mean, the aesthetic of the movie is very 70s. Uh, oh, yeah. Which I love. But it's like it's filmed like a like a nineties film. In what way? Like, cause uh, Ben Wheatley, the way that he decided to uh, film the movie, he decided to film it all handheld mm-hmm. um, and experimental with everything like that with handheld. Um, and nineties was a was a key point of like handheld. Uh, films, um, or it was a three-week shoot, and it would be pointless to bring in a whole bunch of rigs. <laughs> Screw. True. It. We, we'll just carry the camera around. Um, 
I found a couple of characters like very interesting. Uh, I really liked. Uh, I don't know how to say his name. Uh, Killian Murphy or Cillian Murphy? Yeah, Killian Murphy. He. I liked his character a lot. Uh, Army Hammer. I think he's. Uh, he's a very interesting yeah, guy. He was. I really. He was like dripping with charisma. I would say within this film. Yeah, he's very likable. I have not seen uh, Call Me By Your Name. How was he mm-hmm. in that? Oh, he's different. Different. <laughs> he's okay. he's great in it, though. But okay. he doesn't play, like, a similar character or anything like that. It's it's so interesting how, like, just, like, a few movies you could wipe the slate clean from another film, i.e. Lone Ranger. Uh, and you hate the Lone Ranger? It, his character and his performance as the Lone Ranger wasn't necessarily interesting. Yeah, they made him annoying in that film, and I don't know why. Yeah, but he, but here, you know, I could definitely see like his like uh, his acting chops and everything like that. Uh, I would love, you know, if George Miller uh, got his way, I would really love to see Army Hammer as Batman. <laughs> I think Army Hammer would be an excellent Batman. Well, um, apparently, we we only need older Batman. I think he's a tad bit too young, just a tad. Well, that's great. I think that's great. You could have a young Batman and him in the middle of his uh, tenure as. We only like old, violent Batman. Oh, true. If they were to go old Batman, it would be nice to bring Michael Keaton back. Yeah. Eh? Um, okay. You didn't love your girl Brie Larson. I, uh, of course, of course, that goes without <laughs> say. I loved Brie Larson in this. Um, I'll say this. I, I just, I want Shelter, Shalto Copley in every film, <laughs> if that's possible. <laughs> he like some of the time I didn't understand what he was saying. Oh, but it doesn't that, matter. <laughs> but that made it funnier. <laughs> Uh, I I like the part. One of my favorite scenes of the movie was where uh they were. I think uh Killian Murphy was letting uh let, was like saying, "Okay, everybody, hold your fire. Let uh let Brie Larson go, and uh let's just uh because she's like the middleman of everything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I and I she was like, uh, as long as uh as long as uh he doesn't shoot me in the back and he's like oh now he's taking it personally well you did shoot her in the back i really love <laughs> i did I, really i enjoyed the humor a lot just just very nonchalant about this massive shootout that they're all having um like i said like most of the film i feel works for what they're trying to accomplish um like i said the only issue is for me, the only major issue is that issue of by the end of the film, it's just kind of like, yeah, okay, what was the point, you know? Yeah. Um, but all the all the details that make up the film are a lot of fun. All the characters are distinct, and they're played by awesome actors that really bring it and have a lot of fun with it. The shooting's a lot of fun. The humor's great. Um, yeah. I did have one issue with the film, though. Um, the ending. Well, you're wrong. Oh no! Wait, I agree with you. Never mind. 
the ending. I bestow I, upon you right. I think that I think that the movie should have ended in a bar or something like that. Just them recollecting after all the all the chaos that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when he said at, at the end, it was like very funny seeing uh, Kelly Murphy and Army Hammer just say, "Let's just grab a beer." <laughs> that was funny. Like I said, um, the, the 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 like just the nonchalantness of being in a massive shootout in which everyone died. That's where a lot of the humor comes from. I think it it works really well. The the particular song choice that they used, uh, the John Denver song that they used. Um, oh yeah, it it's like slow so. Uh, uh, slow turned that uh, that it's like it makes the situation more funny uh, because it's like a, such a slow song with such like uh, a chaotic it's calm in the middle of a storm is, yeah. basi- is basically what it is and it, I, I find that very funny like of all songs to pick you pick that one and uh, and the the interactions between everything I mean Another issue I had with the movie, uh, I appreciate this movie as an experiment, and it's uh, in its forefront. I, yeah. Just the fact, just the fact that yes, you can make a movie in one place and make it work. Um, I really, uh, <laughs> the issue I had was with uh, Sam Riley and Jack uh, Jack Rayner's character because they had like a squabble the previous night. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, uh, if, you know, business first, put them to the side and let them deal with their shit first and then carry on with business as usual, like have the actual adults. <laughs> so you're actually, mad at the reason they got into the fight? Um, a little bit. Um, I, I like it because it's like, these are stupid hothead criminals. And they're not, they're not in this life because, you know, they're people with a lot of common sense. They're obviously people with not that much common sense. Um, so just the fact that this entire shootout started over something so stupid and by the stupidest people in both groups, I think is part of the humor. Uh, it... Uh, I mean, it's not really a complaint. It's like a minor nitpick. Um, but yeah, I li- it, it's so funny how like in the middle of all that, Sam Riley is freaking smoking crack in the middle and almost ODs that the whole thing. It's just like that would happen. That would happen in this situation. <laughs> uh, it. It's definitely an interesting little little piece and i I just i enjoyed it i would recommend people check it out again it didn't fully hit the spot for me but you know i rather directors experiment and fail and even and i don't even think this film is like a failure i think it, it gets stuff mostly right um, but yeah, I, I just rather see directors experiment and do stuff like this than just 
make it just a regular cop and robbers thing and it's boring and everyone forgets about it in two seconds but this it, i remember the film so yeah yeah it, it it's it's definitely memorable i i was like how how do i feel about this after that and you know it, it definitely got me thinking because usually with me it's either i like something or hate it there's no in between uh why the world is not black and white it would not according to the uh fans of uh fans star wars fans (laughs) (laughs) yes but i thought that you disagreed with them Eh. Mm -hmm. whatever um hey you're the person who keeps on bringing up that the last jedi sucks (laughs) that's the worst film ever made uh i it uh, to me i i I really like this uh i really like this movie and i i just i just wanted to get your hot take on the film because i thought it was a very uh very bold very interesting film i think Uh, that's the way i would put it I'm gonna wait. No, I I would share information with you, but you'll roll your eyes and you'll dislike this movie. I I want to keep it okay. At, I want to okay. keep it at bay. No, 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 tell me. No, 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 no. We're we're on good terms right now. Tell the, me, the film. you like it? Okay. To say uh, no take backsies. Mm, I'm not saying that, but go ahead and tell me. <laughs> All right, we're getting into uh, Death Becomes Her. <laughs> nope, you gotta tell me. Uh, ben Wheatley directed the first two episodes of uh, the eighth series of Doctor Who. And I hate the film. Yep, there you go. There you go. Don't watch it, avoid it all cost. Okay, okay. Very, very, uh, very is down. So, uh... I think I think that's all we could say about the film. I mean, just uh you and again, I don't think you do this on purpose, but I feel like you give me films that there's really not much you can say about them. <laughs> probably, probably. Um it, it it's definitely a movie. <laughs> um it it's it either works for you or it doesn't and if it does work i think that's great and if it doesn't like i that's okay too because of the very specific type of film it's trying to be yeah it it's like it's a nice shoot 'em up movie um with like endless amounts of rounds oh yeah uh, of guns like the like gun logic doesn't make any sense in this movie because it's like they're they're all holding pistols and like there's like two rifles in the mix. It, uh, both could at max hold twelve rounds in uh, in each pistol. They're shooting like a gazillion throughout the whole movie. To be fair, they have, they have, like find all the because they came to do an arms deal, so they do have like extra ammo and shit laying around. 
so they're prepared. Oh, one scene that I laughed out hilariously was when I think the the lackey, uh, the Irish lackey that uh, I think he's uh, Killian Murphy's partner, uh, when he was like uh, scooting around because he he got shot in the leg, uh, and he's scooting around and he gets stabbed by a freaking heroin needle. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and he's oh, like those... bloody shit <laughs> oh god like those things whenever I see it like make me cringe like like inside my body I'm like oh god no that's terrible <laughs> but it's funny it's funny when it happens to other people <laughs> it's funny within the context of the film yeah there, there you go well, well said well said Peter so, uh, Peter. Yes. Why did you give me Death Becomes Her? Because you're obsessed with your beauty. That's all you talk about. And I wanted a film that would show you there's more to life than looking beautiful. What, what do you mean? Just because I like my bubble baths with my wine and Frank Sinatra. Exactly. <laughs> No, um, I love. I I really. I remember seeing this film when I was younger. I remember liking it, and then I recently uh, rewatched it, and I'm like, this is this is a great little film. I really really like it. Um, very clear goals with the film. Wonderfully directed by I think Robert Zemeckis. Um, awesome cast. It it's just one of those awesome little films. And yeah, I thought it was great. And I would, I would think, because it's a bit eccentric, that you would be into it. That's how so, I put it. So yeah. So, the way that you categorize films, there's a subcategory in my tastes in film. I mean. <laughs> Based on what's in the film, I think I can pretty easily tell whether you'd like it or not. Well, don't we'll even don't even try that fake out. Oh, I hated it. Uh, well, uh, I did hate it. In fact, <laughs> no. <laughs> no one believes when you say that. I I actually genuinely adored this film. It uh, it was, it, it it was like this surprise that I thought okay I was like death becomes her. You're like okay, what, what is this? <laughs> it's it sounds like you know a revenge kind of plot. You know, it's I, it sounds like a telenovela. Like oh, it's it's gonna be this like like this romance drama revenge revenge flick that your mom makes you watch. Yeah, and I <laughs> and I thought in the in this scenario you're that mom, <laughs> uh, but I'm not I, like re- regular moms. I'm a cool mom. So I adored this movie. Number one, the chemistry of the three leads. Oh, it's is fantastic! Impeccable. The way it it feels like they've known each like these characters known each other for years. Um, it is Goldie Hawn is insane uh meryl streep your favorite uh, uh, 
Uh, but I have to say, Meryl Streep was brilliant in this, beyond brilliant. And, oh my god, I never knew the range that uh, Bruce Willis could put, because I've always known him as a, as a John McClane. I've yeah, always- um, like I said, I saw when I was younger, and I, and I completely, I had no idea that was Bruce Willis. Like, I knew it was Meryl Streep in Goldie Hawn when I was younger, but it wasn't until I recently watched it, I'm like, is that Bruce Willis? <laughs> He's like unrecognizable because number one, he has hair. <laughs> he has this hair and a stash. Uh, very porno esque stash. <laughs> and he plays the definition of a schmuck. Yeah. Um, it It's very. Uh, okay. There's another movie it reminds me of, or movies that it reminds me of. Uh, there's a movie that Barry, two movies that Barry Sonnenfeld directed called The Adams Family. Oh, and God. How freaking bizarre, weird, strange it uh, it is. And it just rolls with it. That is what Death Becomes Her is like. It, like the vibe that I got with it, like the sharp angles that it would have on the characters' reactions and just different things reminded me very much. Of the Adams family, mm-hmm. um, and it, uh, it just seeing these characters. Spoilers for those who haven't seen the movie. Uh, these characters uh, die. Two of the characters die, and it's just funny seeing how they die. It, it well, it, it the film as a whole revolves around two women and their rivalry between each other. And they get Bruce Willis's character basically in between that, and the film is a big com- has a big commentary on um, uh, superficial uh, lifestyles, superficial lifestyles, super superficial need to like be young and look young, and the idea of you know temporary life versus uh, the notion of living forever. And it, and it, this film doesn't. It's not like it's asking questions and then they're left open answered. They they this film firmly comes down hard on what it <laughs> what it thinks, especially um, considering the fate of the two lead female co-stars, which is hilarious. <laughs> I with with the final uh, bit of the movie, you could almost hear the curb your enthusiasm theme. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know where we parked the car? <laughs> they're freaking their decapitated heads are freaking rolling. Plus, like I said, that dark humor, I love it. And um yeah, like they both end up dying, but because of this juice they drink, immortal juice or whatever they're given in which they live forever. Um, they can't die so because they want to be young and look um, young and live forever and never age. They're terrified of aging, but they both end up dead, but they can't die. So they're technically just corpses walking around. And my favorite scene in the film is when they're both dead and they continue. They're fighting each other. And like <laughs> Goldie Hawn has like a hole in the yeah, middle cause- of her. <laughs> Because uh, Meryl Streep had a shotgun and blew yeah. her away. 
and um Meryl Streep's like head is hanging off sideways and and she uses like a neck brace at one of the, uh in one of the moments cuz she's like completely mangled um it how they both die is hilarious i love the shot the long shot that uh when bruce willis pushes her over the edge meryl streep yeah <laughs> just this long continuous shot like it seems to go on forever of her rolling down the stairs um and it, it's like so awkward it's hilarious like how how long it holds the shot how long it uh it continues uh rolling it's just uh it's just a brilliant little uh a way to present humor um and it it is definitely what like a lot of things like i felt like uncomfortable but like because of my uncomfort i couldn't help but laugh um well it it's sort of similar to free fire and the in the sense that it a lot of the humor comes from dealing with very dark and heavy shit like death and aging and sort of being very nonchalant about it like i i always bust up laughing when it's they're making up at the end um well right after they fight um Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn are making up and it it turns like this entire um, feud that cost both of their lives was over the silliest, dumbest things. And they're there, like, both dead and mangled, and they're like, well, I'm sorry, too. <laughs> and, dude, that's fucking hilarious, because they make it's up funny. in, like, two seconds flat. <laughs> I know. And it's like, they could have avoided all of this if they had just, like, talked to each other <laughs> years yeah. ago, at least once. Also, it's quite hilarious how, like, uh, how the visual effects worked with everything. Oh, I loved the visual effects. It's hilarious, because she has a hole in her, right? And mm -hmm. uh, they were fighting with shovels, and uh, she, Meryl Streep missed Goliath and threw, uh, threw the, uh, the handle through her uh through her stomach and onto the couch and then when she sits down she sits it down like the perfectly perfectly through her and just visual stuff like that the way that they compose the uh the way the young effects mm -hmm. are excellent killer i think uh i did uh research while uh after i saw the movie and it won an academy award for its visual effects Oh, I love the visual effect. I, I still think they hold up. I think um, they're so cool. I love it. And also, I couldn't help uh, but think of uh, the Hercules mortal juice. Oh, uh, it looks like it, doesn't it? Yeah. It, and uh, I was like, dude, that's the, that's the death juice. <laughs> it's the death juice. Uh, and I, I, I really... I mean, with this one, it's there's not much to say as well. The same with I Free think there is. Um, I think there's like whenever I talk about um, like comedies, piss modern day comedies usually piss me off. Um, and I think I've talked about it before, and because I think this is technically a comedy, dark comedy, you could say, mm -hmm. 
but it, it's not just oh we'll get funny people together in a room and we'll just point a camera at them and then they'll act goofy and boom that's we, your movie we ha- that's your movie like a lot of the humor comes from the writing you know they had a really solid script and then visually which again a lot of modern day comedies don't do this at all they all look like commercials they put a lot of effort into it like there's some beautiful shots um from the way it films and the camera moves and transitions because i remember thinking about that like rewatching it i'm like this is just a really well-made tight film um and it's like that's that's what i want out of comedies which just effort just give me effort (laughs) the pace that shouldn't be so hard the pacing is like perfect the pacing it's like seamless i was like uh i was like is this movie almost over and it was and it Mm. was almost over because like you know you barely feel that essence of time throughout the whole entire thing the the goal of a film i think is pacing wise is to make make it feel as if every single shot scene Everything you put in there is necessary for the entire film. Mm-hmm. So the goal is to trim as much fat off a film as humanly possible and still have it make sense. And the best films just feel like they're like, I would not Whiz change by. a thing. Like everything is necessary and everything leads into the next thing, which informs this, which comes back up again at the end, you know, and, and, I think whenever someone says like a film is tight, that's what they mean. It, they're uh, going back to the shots. There's one shot in particular that I really like, and it's when uh, after Bruce Willis takes uh, Meryl Streep to the hospital um, after she quote unquote died, and like yeah. she's uh, trying to like, fix which is her also neck. A, a hilarious, um, <laughs> a hilarious sequence. Like when the doctor's um, testing her and he can't find her heartbeat, and then yeah. he's like putting her hand farther back and farther back. Like, does this hurt? Does this hurt? And he like breaks her wrist all the way back, <laughs> and then Bruce Willis goes in to try and look for the doctor, and like he's he's on a bed in shock <laughs> yeah in a hospital bed um and the following scene when uh one of the nurses she declared uh she declared meryl streep dead clinically yeah. dead and sent her to the morgue and she's like you sent her to the morgue yeah she's dead why and uh and he goes and chases uh her down the hallway just this long shot of the hallway just something beautiful and significant about a hallway it's very much like the way that kubrick made uh the shining and made uh made hallways beautiful this the robert zemeckis did the same thing with uh with this movie and how like there's like just big old door that just says morgue it's simple but like visually striking um and i, I the movie is full of shots like that uh, the final climax when he's uh, when Bruce Willis is hanging off of a uh, of a water, I don't know what it's called, the water grate, where uh, where all the runnage comes from, and uh, the way that 
they compose the castle and everything like that and you guys actually feel that the castle is actually there you know and i i appreciate like all the practicalities with everything everything yeah. that that went on and also i like how the fact that they uh kind of became involved with the cult uh because like there's a bunch of dead celebrities mm-hmm. <laughs> in the room as well who have uh taken the potion and he's like you know we have some famous people in the house tonight some uh, and we have a strict rule to not show our faces in public uh but some people can't help it uh turn the camera elvis is there (laughs) (laughs) it's an obvious silly joke but it's one of those things like yeah i giggled um you know who's really funny in this film i think is bruce willis uh, like his uh, broken man like the he, he starts the film as like this putz of a broken man and the way his sanity is just like thrown around like a beach ball between these two feuding women and it, like I think it's so funny neither of them ever gave a shit about him it was all about trying to get back at each other so then at the end when like they're finally like make peace with each other or quote unquote um <laughs> they're it just turns, like it turns out they needed each other all along <laughs> but like right away they're just like oh, they just like toss him to the side <laughs> until they realize they need him to like cuz he's a famous mortician and um they need him to keep them make them still look like they're alive otherwise they like the paint they fall apart yeah the paint it's so funny how like the paint starts chipping and everything like that and by the end like they look like a hack job it looks great and again Um, that all that goes along with the theme that's another thing you can make a comedy with the theme and like a point of view and something to actually say it's possible like it's it's also wonderful when you do that um all these like little it, it's mostly hitting it on the head but all these little um things without the film within the film the fact that the what's his name is a mortician um and his life is basically he, he sucks at life but he excels at the dead um, little things like that throughout the film really yeah. add, and it and it makes me know like, okay, whoever made this film gave a shit. <laughs> and that person's name is Robert Zemeckis. He's a great it, director. He is a excellent director. The way that he, the choices he makes in this movie is very particular, and I really love the way that he he composed everything. He, I. It's no surprise that you know that he would uh, go on to make some of like the most iconic uh, films ever made. But I, this is a this is a great look at his earlier works and earlier stuff. Um, and it's not that much earlier. Apparently, uh, when I was doing research about this movie, apparently it's become an LGBTQ uh, uh, cult phenomenon. <laughs> oh, really? For for some reason, I don't know if it's I of, did not know. 
I don't know if it's because of Meryl Streep or or something, but it, it's just uh, it's just become this huge cult phenomenon in that uh, in that aspect, and it's it's very funny. It's very funny and uh, very interesting. I mean, it's a it's a great film. So, <laughs> uh, and I think that's great. I think this movie needs to be the conversation of like dark comedies, like examples of good dark comedies. It's. Yeah, it's not a film that I think whose name gets tossed around a lot, Mm -hmm. Um, but I love it. (laughs) I think it's just such a really well done, entertaining, funny, tight film. Um, It's the kind of films that I like to watch. If you want an insight into like, you know, what kind of movies do you like watching? Here's one. Right here, Death Becomes Her. Death Becomes Her. I definitely recommend. I recommend it to everybody. Uh, this is definitely a uh, a movie. If you want to see uh, Bruce Willis act, act outside of... Uh, uh, Mr. Tough action, Guy. <laughs> Mr. Tough Guy. Without here, just giving like a grimace. Yeah. He's basically gone full Clint Eastwood with his career. Where he's just... He just stares at every other character and is like, oh, I'm hey. better than you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is this is an example of Bruce Willis uh, actually acting. Um, we got a little bit of it in uh, in the Sixth Sense, but here you get a little bit more. There's a little bit. Well, it's just a character. I can't. I don't remember it, Bruce a similar character that Bruce Willis has ever played to this one. Like I can name you a hundred of his tough guy roles and I can name you a, a few of his dramatic roles in which, you know, he's he, similar, but he the, also, huh, go ahead. He also did the voice of Spike the dog in a uh, Rugrats go wild. So, <laughs> Oh my God. Why? Did you not know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, because remember uh, in uh, Rugrats Go Wild, remember the Rugrats met the wild thornberries? Oh, God. And remember That's how... Right. They would have those crossovers, too. Remember Eliza talks to animals, Eliza Thornberry, yeah. and she could talk to Spike the dog, and Spike the dog is voiced by Bruce Willis. That's smashing. Smashing! <laughs> Uh, Peter. Yes. What movie do you have for me to watch next onto the table? Next. Okay. Um. I I I go out of my way for you and Alexis. I ver- I really do to one find films that you would like, and two, in which I know they're somewhat accessible. So, I am... Oh, and also this film, uh, based off a television series, um, I'm not going to wait for you to watch the television series. Tough luck. You're watching the film. Uh, Serenity. Okay. Serenity. Yeah. Okay. Should have seen the series a long time ago. But yeah. Okay. It's on. It's on Netflix currently. Mm-hmm. So, you shouldn't have any issue... 
uh, viewing the film. It's a film that I saw. I remember I saw it, the film first, before I ever even knew what the show was. It was, I saw it on TV. I don't have no idea what channel it was, but I remember watching it. I think it was like late one night because a lot of films I stumbled upon just because I would watch TV late at night and they just play random movies. And I'm like, what is this? This is interesting. And I remember watching it and I was like, I, I like this. I like it a lot. That's a great way to gain a mental library of all these movies. <laughs> it's the way I've, I've w- like half of the films I've seen. I don't know if I would have seen without insomnia. Um. <laughs> You're a sufferer of insomnia. I never knew that. Yeah, is I just sometimes I don't sleep. So yeah, I it, again I think this is a film that you would really like. Um, I saw it again recently. I think it really holds up. And maybe if you like the film, it will encourage you to watch the Firefly television series. I don't know. I think I have to go into uh, Firefly first. No, you don't. <laughs> I I started with the film, and I'm, I'm just fine. Everything There's, is fine. It's It's one of those films that you shouldn't be confused it explains everything you need to know within the film, and I think it does it really well. So I could head it dive works. into the movie without watching the series. It works perfectly as a finale to the series, and also its own standalone film. Okay. It, Mu- yeah. Much like the SpongeBob movie. <laughs> sure. <laughs> we'll compare it to that. Okay. Uh, I had two movies in mind for you. Oh, God. I don't know. Uh, pick a pick a genre, musical or horror. <sighs> Fuck you. Pick a, pick a genre, musical or horror. How do you know I haven't seen this horror film? I know for a fact you haven't seen this. Tell me what the two films are and then I'll pick. Okay, musical, Meet Me in St. Louis. Oh, God, it sounds like <laughs> some crap you don't make me watch. <laughs> or horror, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. <laughs> you know, I, I try to find films that you would like. Hey, I think you would enjoy Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. I'll do the musical. You'll do okay, okay. I think you'll what's have it, a lot. I think what's you'll it have called? a lot more. Uh, Meet me in St. Louis. Okay. As a uh, Judy Garland in it. All right, I know her. She's okay. Okay. Uh, mother of uh, Lucille too. <laughs> That's true. I forget that. Yeah. So anyway, that was this episode of To the Table. Check out everything else uh, on Red Spotlight Entertainment and the Fantasy Fair, all on podcast.com, iTunes.com, and Google Play Music. Uh, with me, I have Peter Martinez. Uh, catch you guys later. Bye.